What's up, Crave? It's nice to be back with you after our time apart across the holidays. I hope that your Christmas and that your New Year's uh, were full of rest and recuperation as you gear up for 2021, which we all hope will be uh, far better than 2020 in a lot of ways. Uh, as we're kicking off the new year, I'm aware of the fact that many of us make resolutions, right? We want to be uh, better than we were in the past. We think new year, new me. But the reality is many of our resolutions, if not most of them, will fall by the wayside in the coming two to three weeks. We can only get so far on white knuckle willpower because there's nothing magical about the calendar turning from December 31st to January 1st. There's nothing special about it. True transformation requires Holy Spirit power. I'm not saying don't set goals. If you want to have less screen time this year, I affirm that. If you want to eat healthier and lose five pounds, that's awesome. Good for you. I, I encourage you in that. But if we want to become more like Christ, if we want to be more patient, more kind, more compassionate, these are things that we can't just do on our own. We must have Christ help us with that. And that's why we're kicking off the year with this series, Cornerstones. We're going to talk about three things over three weeks that I think can help chart the course for your year. We want to start by even just explaining what is a cornerstone. It's something we've sung about. It's a term maybe you've even read in the Bible, but what is it? A cornerstone is also known as a foundation stone or a setting stone. If you were working with um, in masonry and construction, it's the first stone that is set. And all other stones in the foundation are set in reference to the cornerstone. Therefore, it determines the position of the entire structure. It is a foundational piece that is so, so important. And that's how Scripture refers to Christ. Let's look together at Isaiah 28, verse 16. It says, Therefore, this is what the Lord says. Look, I am placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Whoever believes need never be shaken. This is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah prophetically about Jesus. He is the foundation stone uh, that will be in Jerusalem and we can place our faith and our hope in him. Psalm 118, 22 through 23 uh, also speaks of a cornerstone. It says, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. Imagine if you can a construction site where you're getting ready to work on the foundation and you're sorting through the stones and you have a pile of acceptable, usable stones and you have a pile of rejects. What this verse is saying to us is the stone that has been rejected becomes the cornerstone. And again, this is referring to Christ, who was in fact rejected by many, rejected by the religious establishment of his day. You see, many were looking for the Messiah to be uh, someone to come in power and grandeur on a war horse to defeat Rome. And instead, Jesus came on a donkey to defeat sin and death. He did not look the way people expected him to look, and therefore he was rejected. And yet, what the Bible's telling us is he is, in fact, the cornerstone that charts the course for everything in the universe. And this verse from Psalm 118 shows back up in the New Testament repeatedly. In fact, the writers of Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record that Jesus himself 
quotes this verse, but it's important to understand the, the context in which he uh, speaks it. Uh, if you want to turn there, Matthew 21, we're going to be looking at verses 42 through 44. But first, let me share with you the context. Jesus has just shared uh, the parable of the vineyard. And in this parable, uh, you've got a man who owns a vineyard, but he turns it over to some folks to tend to it for him. And then he goes away. And when it's time for the harvest, he sends his servants back to the caretakers and they are uncooperative. They hurt his, uh, his servants and eventually he sends his son. And when he sends his son, he expects surely they will come into line at this point. But what the caretakers do is they kill the son. And so it's in this context that Jesus shares the following verses. Uh, Matthew 21, 42 says, Then Jesus asked them, Didn't you ever read this in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a nation that will produce the proper fruit. Anyone who stumbles over that stone will be broken to pieces and it will crush anyone it falls on. You see at the end of that parable, Jesus speaks of the vineyard owner coming back in force and taking away from the caretakers that which they have abused and punishing them. And the religious leaders who are listening to Jesus, they get a little upset because they realize he's talking about them. And he's telling them, when you stumble over this rejected stone, me, Jesus, uh, you're going to be broken to pieces and crushed. That, that's not soft language. That's, that's pretty forceful. Uh, but this idea that, uh, of this verse and, and Jesus as the cornerstone it doesn't stop in the Gospels. In fact, we see Peter, uh, the leader of the twelve, uh, quoting this verse in Acts chapter 4, uh, verses 11 through 12, as he addresses the Sanhedrin, those who in fact rejected Christ and hung him on the cross. Uh, it says this, For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, The stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There's salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Over and over and over again, we see Christ referred to as the cornerstone, the foundation, that upon which we should build. It's important. Paul continues to talk about Christ as the cornerstone, though he does not quote from Psalm 118. If you turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and look at verses 19 and 20, Paul writes, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. So we who are Gentiles, because we are not by lineage Jews, we are now a part of the family of God. We're the house built on the foundation, the teachings of, of the apostles and the prophets, but Christ himself is that cornerstone. Christ himself is the one who determines and charts the course of who we are. But the reality is, for most of us, Christ doesn't actually determine all of our decisions and, and what Jesus would do and, and what he would have us to do. We often just do what we want. We're selfish and self-indulgent people, and we make the mistake of thinking that everything in the world orients around me, or at least it should. And while we may not say that out loud, our actions betray that we believe that to be true. 
We live our lives as if we are the star and everyone else is just a, a bit player, a role player in the movie that is our lives. And we think that they should orient around us and orbit around us. And, and the reality is when we get it wrong, what exists at the center of the universe is potentially disastrous. Now, a little bit of history for you, and if you're super into like middle school science or middle school history, uh, this may bring back some names for you, but uh, I want to talk for a moment, just if I could, about uh, heliocentrism versus geocentrism. Now, you probably know that, that once upon a time, in a land not so far away, many people believed that the earth was flat, uh, and actually some people still believe that, and if that's you, it's okay, we love you. We're glad you're here. You're wrong. It's okay. Uh, but that's a, that's a different conversation. But people also used to believe that the earth was at the center uh, of our solar system and that all of the planets and the sun orbited around us. You see how prideful that is to think that we on earth belong at the center. And Many scientists, many philosophers uh, ascribed to this line of thinking, and some began to come along who questioned it. And as they studied uh, the planets and, and orbits, they began to realize, actually, it seems like all of the planets orbit around the sun, and things do not orbit around us here on Earth. And that was deeply devi divisive, because uh, some people would look at what the Bible said and talks about sunrise and sunset. Now, we understand today that the sun doesn't rise or set. The earth spins on its axis, but they didn't fully grasp that at the time. And in fact, uh, Galileo, who was not just a guy mentioned in Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, he, he said, no, we revolve around the sun. And the religious establishment, the power of his day said, you need to recant, you need to take this back. We are at the center of our universe. And he said, no, it's not true. And they put him on house arrest for the rest of his life for daring to challenge what belongs at the center of the universe. See, Galileo said it was the sun, S-U-N. And at the risk of being a cheesy youth pastor, which I am, the center of our universe should be the sun, S-O-N. It should be Jesus. But we get it mixed up the same way that people did back then when they thought the earth was at the center, when in fact it was the sun. We get it mixed up that we belong at the center when in fact it's Christ. Life is not about you. It's not about me. The purpose of our lives is to glorify Jesus, not to glorify ourselves. And so simply I have to ask you to think about here at the beginning of the year, what's at the center, what's at the core, the foundation, the cornerstone of your life? What's charting your course? What is determining your outcomes? Because if you're following yourself, if you are the most important person in your own life, that is not a recipe for success. It's not a recipe for true transformation to be more like Jesus. You're just going to continue to be you. Now, I don't want to get down on you. I want to give you some encouragement. So as we get towards the end of our message today, I want to share with you some encouraging verses. Colossians 3, 16 through 17 says this, Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. I love what Paul says here that the richness of the message of Christ should fill our lives. It should not be something that's contained to a few hours on a Sunday. 
every part of our lives should be charted by the cornerstone that is Christ. And he says, whatever you do, whatever you say, do it on behalf of Jesus. That means how you interact with your family, your friends, your teammates, your classmates, your enemies, strangers in the street. We should do that with Christ in mind. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, verses that are near and dear to my heart because they are the life verses we selected and prayed over our son Judah. They say, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Listen, maybe at the beginning of this year, you're feeling a little lost. You just don't know what should I be doing, what direction should I be heading in. Where do I go in 2021? I want to be different. I want this year to, to not be like last year. What do I do? You place your trust in Christ. You don't depend on your own reasoning, your own logic, your own understanding. We seek His will, not our own. And what I think we do most, of, most often and most of the time is instead of going to Christ and, and trying to have Him determine and show us the path to take, we will go literally anywhere else. And we'll begin to, to consult with uh, any other source, and we'll allow that to determine our thinking. Uh, there's this concept of worldview, basically how you view everything in the world, right? Not a, not a particularly difficult to discern term. And here's what I think happens. We take our experiences, we take our, uh, our background, we take what society says, and we, we, we look at all those things... And we say, this must be true because I've experienced it and this is what everybody agrees upon. And then we look at the Bible and we begin to think, something doesn't line up here. The Bible must be wrong. And in fact, we're wrong when we have that line of thinking. What we should be doing is looking at the truth that is Scripture. What does Jesus say about this? What does God's Word say about this? Then we take the truth of the Bible, and we look at our experiences, we look at what society says, and we view those things through the lens of Scripture. It's a subtle shift, but it changes everything in our worldview. It's, it comes down to putting Christ and what He says first. Do you honestly believe that what God says is more true about you and more true about life than what you have heard in the media, than what you've heard discussed around the lunch table, than what maybe you can see on the internet. Because if you don't, then you're going to get this a little bit out of whack. Now, I want to go back to Isaiah. Uh, again, the first verses we looked at, Isaiah 28, 16, where we see Christ described as the cornerstone. I just want to point out a few things. It says that he's firm, that he's tested uh, the Bible talks about Jesus being tested and tried and tempted in every way, and yet he endured. It says that he's a precious cornerstone. When, when it was time for someone to give their life that the people of God could be redeemed, it was Jesus, God's own son. It wasn't some third-string backup scrub angel that no one cared about. It was the precious lifeblood of Christ that was poured out. Don't miss that. And it says he's safe to build on. The reality is we build our lives on all kinds of different things. And if you remember back at the end of 2020 in our study of the Sermon on the Mount, we looked at Matthew 7, 24 through 27, where Jesus talks about the foundation of his teaching in our lives. But it's difficult for us to build our lives on the teaching of Christ if we don't ever take time to engage 
with his teaching. That means this year you probably need to open your Bible and make that more of a priority. And you may not love reading, but this is God's Word. It is more pertinent, more pertinent and more of a priority for us to read this than anything else in the world. We need to take time to commune with God through prayer so that we can discern His will for our lives. We have to make Christ a priority. And that might mean tossing some things out. Maybe one of the healthiest things you can do in 2021 is just turn off your devices, turn off your screens, get unplugged, and spend time with Jesus. Remove some of the noise so that you can focus on what matters most. What is preventing you from placing Christ at the center of your life? What's taking his place as first priority? Whatever that thing is, it needs to go. I think about uh, the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, It's a very uh, popular uh, chapter and verse that I'm going to share with you, but it's this imagery of, of running a race And what the writer of Hebrews says is that we should uh, cast aside everything that hinders us. This is Hebrews 12.1. And especially the sin that so easily entangles. This idea here is that, yes, sin should absolutely have no place in our lives. And we'll talk more about that next week. But we also have to get rid of anything else that would hinder us. And the way I read that is not everything in our lives that trips us up is bad or evil. Or obvious, but there just might be some things in your life that need to go, such as your Netflix binging sessions, such as your endless scroll on social media. Maybe we need to get rid of some of those neutral things that entangle us. Maybe you do have sin that you need to deal with and confess and move forward into a healthier relationship with Christ. Whatever your step is, my prayer is that you would take it. My prayer is that you would be able to identify what is taking the place of Christ as first priority and make a change. Uh, I'd love to pray for you, and then uh, we'll talk a little bit after that. God, just help us as we seek to place you as our first priority, as our cornerstone. We thank you that we can place our faith, our hope, our trust in your son Jesus and his redemptive work on the cross and his resurrection three days later. Help us in this new year not to rely on our own willpower to change, but to trust in you to make us more and more like your son Jesus every day. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm excited uh, to continue this series. The next couple weeks we've talked about tonight, Christ is the cornerstone. Uh, The next two cornerstones we'll cover on January 10th and 17th are confession and community, respectively. So join us on January 10th as we talk about the need for priority, uh, the need and priority of confession, and then on the 17th as we talk about community. Love you. Look forward to seeing you then.